As we prepare our hearts uh, for the preaching of God's Word, um, we're going to read the passage that Lee's going to preach from. So that's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. Um, And as Lee preaches, uh, I'd encourage you to either keep open in your worship folder the, uh, the passage or in your Bible. Let's read God's Word together. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) You're going to make me cold, Andy. (laughs) I know, you're freezing. I get it. My hands are cold as well. I just look down there and Andy's like... making me cold which is good that we're talking about these three young men three young men that probably were not cold at this specific point in their life these three young men they were friends with another young man who really sort of got promoted much higher than them but but they were promoted themselves partly because their buddy said yeah you need to promote them as well You see, these three young men, they were captives. They were taken away from their homeland and taken to a foreign land, a land that had come in and taken over their home country and said, we want the best. And they grabbed the best and they brought them back to their country and said, you're going to live with us. We're going to raise you up in the way that we want you to go. We're going to teach you all the things that we want you to know. You're going to feast on all the goodness that is of the kings so you can be the best man. So basically, they're taking these guys and they're going to indoctrinate them. They're going to change them to be just like them so that they can be bigger. But these these four young men, they said, no, that's not what we're going to do. One in particular led them, but they joined with him. And they said, no, we're we're not going to do that. As a matter of fact, can you just give us a little bit of this and a little bit of that? Don't give us the full feast. We, We won't do that. And let's see how we end up. And Daniel, from the Bible, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, far exceeded all the others. So much so that the king was like, yes, these are the cream of the crop. These are the best of the best, and I want them. But something happened. There were others who were jealous of them. There were others who said they're getting too much power. There were others who thought they're not conforming enough to who we are and they're going to bring something outside of that. We we can't deal with that. We can't have that happening. So we've got to find a way to bring them down. 
Now, mind you, these three young men, including Daniel being the fourth, they they weren't like touting their successes. They weren't standing there saying, you know, if everybody would just do what we did, then everybody would just be fine. They were humbly serving the king. They were stepping in to those places in the community. They were blessing it so that it would prosper. Yet those who were on the outside, who wanted them to be like they were, They couldn't handle it. And so they found ways to bring them down. And so they convinced the king and said, everybody should worship you. They shouldn't worship all these other gods. They shouldn't worship their own gods. They should only worship you. As a matter of fact, king, why don't you build this huge structure to yourself so that everybody will come and worship? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, can't do it. We only worship God. And so instead of saying, well, we're tolerant of all that, that's okay. They grabbed him and they threw him in a fiery furnace. Which, as good as that sounds right now, to be warned, <laughs> would not be good at all. Now, the reality is that's what Peter's talking about as well for us. You see, what we've recognized in here is that Peter says right off the bat, don't be surprised, right? When A fiery trial comes your way. And suffering is nothing new for us in 1 Peter as we've been going through it, is it? If you've been here, you know. Peter has addressed suffering over and over and over again in this book. In 1.6, he says, you will be grieved by various trials, meaning things are coming. In 2, 19 and 20, he talks about suffering that will come upon us. In 3, verse 14, he talks about those who suffer for doing good. And then last week, we talked intensely about the suffering that can come. And so I want to stop for a minute and let's talk about the different types of suffering that come on us. Because Peter's being very specific in this passage. There are certain types of suffering that happen to us as human beings. One type of suffering that happens is self-inflicted suffering or self-propagated suffering. Now this suffering is that that comes upon us based on the consequences of our actions, right? So we'll use one that's dear to my heart. I love sugar. Sugar's a good thing. I I like, especially when they take sugar and they bake it in things. Mostly chocolate or flaky things. Pastries. And I I like them a lot. I like the way that they work. Siri's about to talk to me, by the way. I like the way they work. I I like how it gets baked up and turns golden brown. And then I, I love to eat them. Now, can't eat just one. I, I like to eat multiples of them. Now, if you continue to do that, what ends up happening is your body grows. Now, for me as well, my joints begin to hurt because that sugar causes some acids to grow in between my joints. But I love sugar and I love pastry together with that sugar. So when I suffer and I wake up in the morning after sneaking four or five donuts, I I 
feel in my hands what I have done. And if I did that continually, I would expand. And then my blood pressure would go up. And my sugar levels would go up. And I would be like, well, now why am I on the verge of being a diabetic? And why is my heart rate so high? And why, why is it that I've fallen back into that way? I can't say, well, it's the sugar that did it. Could. But the reality is that self-propagated suffering. Because I know that if I didn't participate in that action, that I wouldn't have those issues, that suffering. So that's the first type of suffering that we sometimes have. The second type of suffering that we sometimes have is relational suffering. Now, this is not self-propagated suffering. This is relational suffering. So sometimes that happens with people that are very close to us, and sometimes that happens with people who we don't know at all. And so by relational suffering, what I mean is that because of the actions of someone else, we have suffering. So let's say you've parked your car outside and somebody comes along and knocks right the window in and they take whatever change or something out of your car. They've stolen from you. And so now you, you've left your purse or your wallet in there. You now have to get a new driver's license and you now have to get uh, new credit cards and make sure they're stopped and you have to get the glass fixed on your car, right? There's a relational suffering because of the actions of somebody else. That's a very small and seems very teeny sort of suffering when we talk about it in that way. But in our lives, we recognize that many of us carry scars and deep hurt from both intimate relational suffering and even suffering from far off relationally. The actions of people around us have caused us pain. And suffering. So that's the second type of suffering that we might experience as we live our lives. The third type of suffering that we might experience is called Adamic suffering or Adam suffering. And really what that goes back to is the fact that when God, before the foundations of the world, were setting forth his creation, he set everything in order perfectly the way that he wanted it to go, knowing full well what would bring him glory and honor and what would give fruitful, full lives to all his creation. But Adam decided and Eve decided they wanted to be God. We were talking this morning in the, in the primary, upper primary class about, again, that little emperor me that we talked about. They were the first ones that had that little emperor me. And they said, we want to be God. So, yes, you say that that fruit's not good uh, and that we shouldn't eat it, but it looks really good to us and we're going to eat it. And so when that happened, there was a fracture, a brokenness that comes into the world. And so there are things that take place in the world now because of that brokenness that happened when sin entered in. That's the reason why it's Adamic or based on Adam. So we can say that sickness very much is part of that edemic suffering. Cancer that comes in. Seagulls are part of that edemic suffering. Maybe not. Right, there are things that happen around us that aren't because of some relation or some person's actions. They're not because of our own actions, but they're in fact painful 
trials that come into our life based on the fact that the world is not perfect. It's not the way that God designed it to be. So that's the third area where suffering or trials come about. That, however, is not the type of suffering that Peter is talking about here. What Peter is talking about is the type of suffering that comes when you are different. When you are a Christian, a follower of Christ. Let me stop as an aside and say, if you're here and you're not quite a follower of Christ, don't tune out. That doesn't mean that this is not for you. It is, in fact, for you. Because for some reason, you're here. Perhaps it's God drawing you. Perhaps it's because it's a little warmer than it is outside. And we're grateful that you're here. And we hope that you hear God calling to you and saying, I love you. I long for you. I've created the world. I know how it's supposed to be. I know what your life needs. Let me bring you back into whole relationship with me, with yourself, with all others in this place. Let me show you the glory of who I am so that you will recognize who you are. So this is for you. Because if you make this transition, you're like those in the book of Peter and one Peter that he's talking to. You might not have been here when we started this series, but one of the things that we talked about was the fact that they were exiles. But they weren't exiles who came in from the outside. They were exiles who had lived in the culture and who were now transformed, right? They were not ones that like refugees that came from another land and came in or had never been part of the land. They were those who actually had been fully immersed in the land and the culture that they were part of. And now because God adopted them and brought them into a new family, they were different. And so what Peter is saying now to the folks is he's saying, remember, while you're an heir of God, that means you're an exile of the world. You don't fit. You're different. Not weird, but different. And so there are things that are going to happen to you because of that. There is trials that will come at you because you are Different. We talked about it a little bit last week that there are things that look at people look at you and they say, you don't act the way we act. You don't do the things that we do. You don't respond in the way that we respond. You have different values than we have. And we should always say yes and be ready to give a defense for the hope that resides within us. It's not anything that we've done. It's the fact that God loves us and pursues us just as he loves and pursues all of you. But he's saying here that there are those who will see that and they will react strongly to it. Now for us in Australia and most of the Western world, it is almost as if we don't recognize that. We'll see it and hear about it in other parts of the world, right? Countries that they are persecuting and hurting and beheading and all these other sort of atrocities that we recognize and say, yes, in fact, they're being persecuted with fiery trials that are coming their way. And I think sometimes we feel like maybe we're not. I do think that there are those who try to puff up maybe what is happening 
to us and saying we're being attacked as well. But I would dare say that we sadly have fallen into the complacency that is West. We've actually gotten to a place where we have moved into the belief that most everybody else carries around us. And it's this, that we don't need suffering, that we should avoid suffering at all costs, that we should, as those who are prosperous and wise and living in good countries, should never experience unhappiness, that our lives should be ones of waking up with rosy expectations, that everything's going to work out right. we've bought into it and we think at the slightest hint of discomfort or suffering I need to do something to get rid of this but that's not what Peter says at all for us some of the reasons why we might avoid suffering or the ways that we do avoid this type of fiery trial that comes to those who are in Christ I think is because we do a couple of different things. One, I think we sort of avoid it because the reality is, is we desire the world's approval. And so we avoid trials. They don't come to us because instead of seeking the approval of God, more often we seek the approval of man. Because we want them to like us. And we want to be known by them. And we want to be hip or cool or groovy or whatever word you use to identify yourself as in the in crowd. And so we seek their approval over and over again. And so that means sometimes we might shift and change core doctrines and beliefs. We might change our language or our wording. We might change our attitude so that we can be approved. Others maybe step into this way to avoid trialing because we desire So we think to ourselves, I, I don't really care that they approve of me, but I like that they have power. And if we had power, then we could get everybody right again. We would take them back to the right way to live and not the wrong way that they're living. So we've got to gain power. So that means we put our energy in political things or we put our energy in grabbing money and influence because power is important. And that's what we've got to do. And if we have the power, guess what? We don't have trials anymore. Because those in power don't have trials. They inflict trials. At least that's what we think in our mind. The, the third way that we probably avoid trials in this way is because we desire comfort. We desire comfort. We think our, our lives shouldn't experience trials and that it should be comfortable and so we don't act in a way that Christ sometimes calls us to to stand and be salt and light in the world so what is it that Peter says we should do well first we should recognize this Peter is not speaking for himself he's speaking for Jesus here in John 15, verses 18 through 21, Peter was there when Jesus said this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated 
me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Too often our desires for approval and for power and for comfort have moved us away from stepping into this call of following Jesus all the way. And what Peter prepares us for in this is he tells us how we are to respond then when these fiery trials come. The first thing that he tells us, if you look there in that first verse, is don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when someone looks at you like you're different. Don't be surprised when somebody says, I don't quite understand how you can live that way. Don't be surprised that if you have a relationship with someone, as you're walking along with them, all of a sudden there's a fracture that happens because you are choosing righteousness, you are choosing to be salt and light, and they are choosing darkness don't be surprised he says it's going to happen it's not if it's when now does that mean that we go out seeking it does that mean that we go out and we make sure that we hold up signs and placards and that we are loud enough and that we are shouting down no he's saying don't be surprised because it's going to come why because you are in Christ. Jesus says, because we are in him, we're going to have it happen to us. Why? Because it happened to him. And it happened to him because he stepped in and showed them the glory of God. He showed them the right way to live, not the right way to do things, but the right way to live, which is a life lived to bring glory and honor to God and to enjoy him forever. And he brings us to that place. And so we can't be surprised when that happens. The second thing that it says that we need to be prepared for and ready to do is that we need to rejoice when it happens. That means that we are ready because we're not surprised. And when it happens to us, we rejoice that it is happening. But why do we rejoice? Do we rejoice because we can be counted worthy? Do we rejoice because we're like, yes, people hate me? No, it says we rejoice. Why? Because you are in Christ. We rejoice because of our placement. So it's not even about the stuff that's taking place. It's not even about the separation that we're feeling. It's about the fact that we rejoice because it means that we're in Christ. It's a recognition of where we're at and who we are and what our identity is. See, my identity is no longer proved by the things that I do or the places that I go, the things that I support or the people that approve me, the fact that I'm comfortable or that I have power. It's the fact that I am in Christ and Christ alone. That's why I am able to rejoice. Rejoicing sometimes for us in the moments of struggle and trial will look like lament. Will be a place where we cry out in pain, in agony. That's not stepping away from rejoicing because we know it's in lament 
with Christ that we are able to stand strong. The third thing that we do when we experience trial is we recognize that we are being blessed because the Spirit rests upon us. Look at what he says there in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. For us, it means that they're not seeing just us, that they're not witnessing who we are, that in fact, we are really being salt and light to the world, and they are seeing God. Why? Because he rests on us. He is present in us and through us. And so that means we are blessed. Not blessed because everything's going well, blessed because everything's comfortable, but blessed because it's not. And remember here, we're not talking about self-propagated suffering. We're not talking about relational suffering. We're not talking about endemic suffering. We're talking about the suffering that comes from those who are outside of the, of the light to those who are inside of the light. And quite honestly, I always am uncomfortable with that type of language. I don't like to talk about outside and inside. I don't like to talk about those who are in the dark and those who are in the light. I would prefer for all of us just to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and say, yes, we're all in the light. But I can't will you into that place. And you can't will me into that place. Only God can. And that's the beauty of the gospel life because it's not an either or, it's a both and. Because if you remember through the whole book of 1 Peter, the reason why we are responding to these fiery trials, recognizing our blessing that comes from it, is not so that we can go, yes, we're persevering, although we can do that. It's so that we can set an example of what God's loving pursuit looks like so that it draws others to himself. So even though we have to identify that there are those who are far off, and there are those who are near. We recognize that Christ himself is the one who preaches peace to both. It has to be about doing that. And so we have that blessing. And that's the reason why he says, following that, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. It also says, don't take pride. <laughs> is do not be ashamed, don't slink back, don't, don't set yourself in a place where you recognize, oh, I'm, I'm suffering and, and, and I'm, 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 I'm being ostracized and maybe I should change the way. Don't be ashamed, stand up, but, but don't take pride in it and say, yeah, well, I was persecuted three times this week. <laughs> That's how good of a Christian I am. You miss it. Again, we don't have to seek it out. It will come. It will be there for us. And so there's nothing for us to take pride in. But there is a place for us to recognize and not be ashamed of. And the last thing that we see that he teaches us here is that we then also move in to worship. Why? Because it lets God be glorified. 
It says, therefore, those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator. He's recognizing there. Peter is recognizing and saying, look, the one who created everything, the one who knows how this is supposed to happen and how it's supposed to work, he is the one who walks with us. He is the one who's brought us in. And so that our only response when we recognize the creator God is to bring him glory and honor and praise. And so when trials come to us, those trials that seep in, that that come from those relationships that are broken, that come from people not quite understanding our values, those ones that come to us that because we say we follow Christ, then we give worship to God in that. As you know, I have five children. And so my favorite telling of those three men in Babylon has to do with vegetables. There's a little show called Veggie Tales. And this particular one that they did is Rack, Shack, and Benny. And it's about a giant bunny, chocolate bunny. And Nebuchadnezzar wanting them to bow down before this giant chocolate bunny. And they don't. And so they end up where? Heading into the fire just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as they're there, once, who's a gourd of some sort, is asked by King Nebuchadnezzar, how are things going? And he looks in, and he says, yep, they're all three still there, and there's somebody else, and he's real shiny. Well, that other person we know is Jesus. Jesus shows up in Shadrach and Meshach's life. He makes an appearance there. And protects them. That when the king looks down, he sees the three that he's thrown in there, but he sees a fourth. That fourth who is there. And you know what they're doing? Worshiping. In the midst of fire. For those of us who are in Christ, he is ever present with us. So that when trials come along, we stand with him. And we say, he's real shiny. He shines bright in my life in order for me to shine bright around those who are near me so that they will see and know the love of God. So trials will come. And when they do, we rest on him who is ever present in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and with us as well. Let's pray. Lord God, you are good to us. And you stand firm with us. You call us to yourself. And you guide us to a place where we can interact and shine your light fully. Prepare our hearts when those around us don't like us because of that. Prepare our hearts when we don't experience the comfort that comes from just going along. Prepare our hearts, Father, for our evil desire to gain power so that we can get everything in the way that we want it. Father, prepare us to see you in the midst of our trials so that we can rejoice, so that we can worship. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.